This is Kevin B. from Let's Talk About Adoption and Foster Care Podcast. Today we have a co-host with us, Amanda, This Adopted Life. And we're going to talk about, we will, we're going to get with Amanda uh, after I do my little shout outs. Give a shout out to Untouchable Shots. The, uh, the owner is Sean. And uh, he does uh, photography and videos. The guy is really, 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 really good. Some of the brands he has worked with is Wells Fargo, Sprint, Netflix, and Amazon, to name a few. So uh, just go to www.livingmyshadows.org, go on the vendors, and, and you'll see Sean on Touchable Shots. Now let's just dig into our show. This is episode six, the Adop- this, this Adopted Life. That's his name, the name of the episode. And we have our co-host, Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? Hi, Kevin. I'm doing good. Good, good to have you. Good to have you. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. I was so honored when uh, when you invited me. Hard person to catch up with. Uh, Amanda uh, has a blog, and she also um, uh, runs a, uh, 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 I call it, a, um, what we can call it, a, a chat session. It's therapy for me. Every Sunday, we all get together, and we just talk, all adoptees, we just talk about things that we have been through and are going through. Yeah. And the thing about it is, you know, every adoptee is different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's different. So without uh, further ado, because we just like to get right into it, we don't want to hold everybody up. So Amanda, tell us about your, tell us about your story. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm Amanda. I was born in Colombia. And I have a story in my adoption papers. I just don't know if it's true. Hmm. Uh, so I always start out saying, according to my papers, um, I was brought to the police in Medellin, the city in Colombia, by an unknown woman. Mm-hmm. She found me in the streets, had me for about a month, and couldn't find my mother, so she brought me to the police. And then from there, I went to um, the care of authorities, and they put a, my photo in a local newspaper um, saying this is an unknown baby, unknown name, unknown parents. If anybody knows who it is, they can come claim her. And there was an address. And there's actually two other girls with me in that picture. Um, and uh, nobody came. And this is kind of what they did at the time to be able to claim that they had tried to locate family. Mm-hmm. And because nobody came, then I was labeled abandoned. And with that, I was entered into the adoption program. So- and so yeah. how is the adoption program different from, from you know, in, in the States? Well, I guess, I think in the States, uh, well, there's a lot more domestic adoption occurring within the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was for international adoption. Um, so Colombia at the time was a country with a lot of turmoil. Um, this is the mid-80s. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. A lot yeah. was going on back Have then. Bar, at his height and then mm-hmm. in, in which is the city where I'm from. So, mm-hmm. you know, the questions abound as to what is true and what actually happened. Corruption was, was running amok um, mm-hmm. at the time. And so, um, you know, I can only go by what it says in my papers, but there are definitely some red flags. For example, there are no names um, of any of the people that supposedly would have um, taken me in or, or cared for me or been that I would have been in, in contact with. Um, so yeah, and then uh, from 
So once in the hands of the authorities, I was uh, examined by doctors and they sort of assessed my age because they didn't know when I was born. Um, so they assessed me to be between six and eight months and they gave me the birth date. They gave July. you, they gave you yeah. a birthday? Oh my God. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so if you're following here, like my, my name was given to me at some point after coming into the hands of authorities, my birth date, I've always known that that's not the day I was born. Um, which in turn, I think has actually helped me not struggle so much because there hasn't really been any question marks. I've just known that isn't the date I was born. Right. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, um, a lot of question of identity, like who am I, how did my life start? And, you know, I don't even know who gave me my name. Um, yeah, so it's wow. a lot of, I call that whole the, the first two years of my life, like from birth to adoption, I call mm -hmm. them a black hole filled with ghosts because that's essentially what it is. Wow. wow. Yeah. And that, that's the thing with uh, international adoption a lot of times that mm -hmm. um, where domestic adoptees in the U.S. struggle with amended birth certificates, um, we may or may not even have a birth certificate to talk about at all. Um, you know, not to compare one with the other because it's mm -hmm. just a different struggle. It's not more or less, it's just different. But yes. that's the case for international adoptees a lot of times. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I know I have a little experience about the birth certificate thing because I didn't mm -hmm. find mine until about three years ago. And um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how a piece of paper, you know, how you feel about a piece of paper. So, so after, um, after all that, uh, what was the next step? Uh, did you find a did they find so a they, home for you? Yeah, so there's a mentioning of a foster family that I supposedly was placed with. Again, no name, no location, mm -hmm. just in the paper. Mm -hmm. uh, but supposedly I was there for six to seven months. Um, so before that, when I came into the hands of the authorities, it says that I was malnourished and I was shown signs, uh, like typical signs of an institutionalized or abandoned child. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they mentioned that I was completely disconnected and wouldn't attach to any adult around me. Um, so once in the care of a foster family, apparently I, I flourished and I did very well being, I guess, in the safe environment, having a caretaker. Uh, so I caught up both developmentally and physically. So, and then in October, so seven months later, I was, uh, matched for adoption and in December of 85 mm -hmm. I was adopted Wow you, Yeah, so you, was adopted, you said Sweden, right? Yes. Wow. That that was yeah. Woo, I don't think there's too many uh Latinos uh, in Colombia, boy. That must have been something growing up. Yeah. So there was definitely, uh, well, so I was very much what, you know, the compliant adoptee in the fog growing mm -hmm. up, which compliant because I always just kind of kept the peace. I did mm -hmm. what I had to do. I always, I was very responsible. I was called independent, had a lot of integrity. Like there was a lot of positive words used to describe me, which I've later on realized was more out of fear of rejection. I just kind of always stayed in line and kept myself in check. Um, and in the fog, because I didn't understand that any of this, right. that that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
I always felt like I had to hold back. Um, you know, I was this fiery, passionate Latina, and mm -hmm. I just myself. I had to always kind of hold myself back with this, you know, how Swedish people are and fall in line and Trying not to because fit in. told yeah. me to, but that was just the pressure I put on myself. Got you. Um, wow! Wow! Yeah, so it was definitely, uh, you know, being one way on the outside and feeling very different on the inside and not understanding where all the feelings came from, not understanding they were normal. Mm -hmm. um, that caused a lot of guilt for me. I always lived with um, a lot of guilt for the questions I had, for the feelings I had, for, you know. So how do you, how you deal with school and stuff? Like, uh, you know. Being... So I did very well in school, very, very well. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've read the book, The Primal Wound by Nancy Verrier, mm -hmm. um, popular book within the adopted community. And she actually mentions how in a family with siblings, so I had an adopted brother. And I always kind of juxtapose my experience growing up um, with his. So he was more of a rebel. He was acting out more of his trauma, more of his struggle. Mm -hmm. um, and then, in contrast to that, I was the very responsible, good daughter who never caused any trouble for my parents. And, you know, he took one side, I took the other. And apparently, at least according to the primal wound, which he writes, is that it's a very typical thing in the mm -hmm. family with two adopted children that they fall on either one of the extreme. Yeah, my, my, um, my, my foster care brother, yeah, he he was like totally. He, he actually is locked up now, and I was I was a, the quiet one, you know. So yeah, kind of like have a little experience in that. That was kind of tough though, because while um, I had more room, I had mm -hmm. more, but I also got much less attention. I was wow. people kind of thought that oh well, she's good and she's fine and she's doing just you know she's doing well mm -hmm. and all. And, and support and kind of went to my brother um right. which I needed but then there was no i wasn't able to come in and say hey i also need some right you know, yeah i'll care yeah. over here uh so and i think that caused a certain amount of resentment um mm -hmm. between the two of us so he was always compared to me and i was always feeling like he got away with so much and you know it's just a very um yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. Just yeah. the, the relationships within the family. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Everything. So how long did you stay um, with the family and how did you uh, wind up coming to the States? So I always knew. Um, so to go back a little bit, my parents' marriage was getting rocky around mm -hmm. nine. And that caused me to sort of put up a wall of protection. It was almost as if a... Uh, curtain went up and I kind of felt like okay this has been an illusion of a, of a safe home and then a good family like I started it started falling apart for me mm -hmm. and I think around the same age I was kind of like I was really questioning of why did I end up in this family and then of course with the guilt and then I decided I think around that time too that I wasn't going to live in Sweden my whole life I didn't fit in there I didn't feel mm -hmm. connected to my family and so I've always known growing up that I wanted to move abroad. I just didn't know exactly where. But then when I was 16, I got the chance to go study in Spain for one year. Wow. And I met 
Yeah, so I met, and that's where that that trust and that responsibility right. uh-huh. played in my favor because my parents let me do that when I was 16 years old. They let me mm-hmm. um, family in Spain and study for one year. Uh, and while I was there, I met a guy and we became friends. And then he moved to the U.S. and I came to visit, and then we became more than friends. And uh, today we are married with two children. Oh, <laughs> up in the U.S. Uh, and actually, first in New York. Mm-hmm. where I felt for the first time that I could, I could be anonymous, mm-hmm. but I could fit in and I could be myself and I could find sort of a group of people where I would fit in. And, and I really, um, it was the first time I felt like, okay, this, this is my place. This mm-hmm. I can be. You can be yourself. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not, but, when did you decide it? Well, you know you were Latino. So when, when did you try to make that connection with your culture? How, how was that dynamic? Yeah, so I always grew up kind of um, struggling with where do I belong? I was feeling like I had one foot in Sweden because I couldn't mm. fully it. That was the only experience I had, right? But right. at the same time, definitely Latina. Like I can feel my blood is Latina. Like my temper, my personality, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm Latina. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I always, but I always struggled with claiming Colombia because I kind of felt like if I say that I'm Colombian, then people are going to put me to the test. And like, I didn't know music, food, right? Um, just plain cultural things that if you grew up in Colombia, like it's a given that you know it. Those things I know in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always kind of struggle with um, claiming, you know. And to this day, I kind of feel a little shaky when I say like I'm Colombian. And, um, but then I, after having children mm-hmm. and after seeing, you know, genetics play out in my husband's family, like up close and personal, the, right. you know, very much like his mother in one way and his father in another way and his siblings. And, um, little by little over the years, I guess it grew on me to, to be more and more curious and kind of understand that there's people in Colombia who I'm, who I am related to. And then I also started having anxiety and mood swings quite uncontrollably. So, and I started really questioning like what's going on here. What is it that's trying to come out? Cause you know, we keep things in and we don't deal right. with them. We have to try to come out somehow. And I just kind of traced back in my life and I landed on the adoption and I was like, this may be something here. I looked on Facebook, there must be other adoptees out there, mm-hmm. found a fellow Colombian adoptees, um, a group of 1,500 people, which I thought was wow. you know, mind-blowing that there was 1,500 people out there like me, adopted from Colombia, and I saw them, you know, mm-hmm. Colombian and talking about, you know, even though they were adoptees and had never lived, most of them never lived in Colombia, they were claiming it, and, right. and but we're also talking about the dark sides of adoption, the trauma, the struggle, the, you know, the loss. And um, all of this was very new to me, but it really showed me that it's okay to talk about. And right. I'm not, mm-hmm. alone. you know, they were saying these things that I had lived with my entire life, just never voiced because I didn't think I could. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I understood that, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm Colombian and I can wave that flag. And, and But, you know, like I said, it's still a little bit of a struggle because part of me also feels like Colombia abandoned me. Colombia let me be taken away by some people that would never be able to to 
raised me, you know, to my origins. And so, yeah, there's just a lot going on at the same time. I always say, like, living as an adoptee is living mm -hmm. a life. And, um, I feel like there's always, like, so many feelings and mixed emotions and, and, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know um, when, when you talk to people that, that don't understand, um, it's, 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 it's like talking to a wall when you talk about all the emotions, you know, because a lot of people throw out, well, you should be grateful yeah. that somebody found you and they put you in your home and you should be happy for that. How, how do you deal with them, them, them um, type of uh, attitudes? Well, now, like I said, I lived this huge denial. I didn't, I was the, I was one of those people to say, adoption hasn't affected me i'm totally fine i call myself the, a, a success story of adoption mm -hmm. today cringe when i think about it but that was my reality at the time um i wasn't ready to to deal with any of it right um and today i i understand where they're coming from but they are very mistaken because it's based on this false narrative of adoption mm. um where people you know we like to think that adoption is a win-win, right? Or there's a child that needs a family. And we know, especially with international adoption, that that isn't always the case. Um, I've heard from fellow adoptees from Colombia, people that I know personally who have reunited with family and find mm -hmm. out they were not willingly relinquished by their parents. They were maybe kidnapped. Their parents were lied to. They were, you know, there's so wow. many ways children are made adaptable. Um, yeah. Because there's people who want to adopt. It's, so, a, it's, it's a big business. It's a big it business. is. It's an industry. I talk about the adoption industry. Some people talk about it as trafficking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends, I guess, how, how you look at it and where you're reading. But it's definitely an industry, I would say. Yeah. So, uh, oh, say again. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. No, from what I've read and, and even just heard from, like, personal accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to more going on than what's on the surface. Yeah, there's a whole, whole lot going on, and yeah. But what I was going to ask you is um, about your blog, you know, uh, <laughs> what, what made you or what pushed you to start your blog, because your blog is amazing. It caught no. my attention because I was just going through, going through, and this adoption, oh, man, I, I just, it just touched me where I said, I got I to gotta find out more about this, and then, of course, I reached out, and then the yeah. next day, you know, I'm, I'm in, I call, like I said, therapy session every Sunday now and um so what, what made you start start that so I always uh I've always been writing a lot mm -hmm. um I would write poems or even like little song lyrics I always did a lot of writing mm -hmm. and um at some point I kind of felt like I have a story to tell I want to tell my story I want to share and I love to inspire and help and guide people I just I just didn't know what I would write about. I was like, do I want to be a fitness coach? Do I want to be a life coach? But it was mm -hmm. always like, that's not really where, where's my, where's my thing. And then once I unpacked all the adoption stuff and once I went through the, so I went through this process of coming out of the fog, like it's called, which was mm -hmm. going from thinking that everything was fine to uh, realizing what I had been through, what I had lost, and I went through this entire grieving process, every step of the grieving process, because mm -hmm. I was myself, the person that I was before, thinking, uh, you know, the life that I had lived before, and I had 
some really dark days and it was very tough. But then once I sort of came out of that and was able to build myself up again, uh, a more authentic me, a more right. you know, claim my own story and claim who I am, um, the entire story from like the loss and the adoption and on and on. Um, that's when I was like, okay, I need to share this. I need to mm -hmm. write a adoption. I mean, I was 30, you know, 32 or 33 when I wrote mm -hmm. my first on, you know, related to adoption at all. Right. Before that I had written a lot, but never, I never even touched adoption. Mm -hmm. So from there I was like, okay, let me, I had already registered to start a blog six months earlier, but just mm -hmm. not know write about and then finally I just okay I need to just write about adoption and I started and I realized what a, a powerful thing it is especially for an adoptee to own your own story to yes. get to tell your story in your mm -hmm. own words your own way because we've always had our stories told to yes. us about us but we need to be the ones saying this is my story and these are the words I want to use to tell my story so that's where I started inviting fellow adoptees to do the same, to kind of give mm -hmm. them that uh, opportunity. So on my blog, there's my story. And I also invite fellow adoptees to share their story. And I cool. change, you send it to me, maybe if it's some major grammar error, but other than that, <laughs> yeah. post it because it's your voice and right. I will not change. Um, and then yeah. I started posting on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm really putting into question and making people, uh, you know, really think about what, what right. adoption mm -hmm. for us adoptees and really try to, in a, in a pretty, um, like, I don't, I don't want to attack, but I really want you to just go like, whoa. Yes. And really think about it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. put things into question and, and well, you know. I didn't know they feel that way. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So adoption is this big thing that, you know, is just so great. You know, yeah. It's like beautiful. We helping these kids, and but no one talks about the emotional things that go inside. From the parents, mm -hmm. the adoption story from the parents. For them, it is a great thing, right? Mm -hmm. They they either feel like they're helping or they're they're getting that child couldn't have um, right. They really, right. And the adoption agencies, of course, they push a positive narrative because hey, <laughs> yeah, the top of it all. Um, and seldom the adoptive voice is heard because here we come and we tell a completely different story. All of a sudden yeah. people have to face uh, a reality that's not what they've thought all these years and people don't right. do that well. So yeah, that's kind of where we are. And then I, um, when the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. that's when I felt so isolated and I, I struggled with, um, not being able to see people because I right. really feel the social interaction. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. And I figured there's probably other adoptees out there that feel the same way. And that's when I started the Zoom meetings. Cool. Which I connect and chat because that's really what we do, right? We sit yeah. down. Yeah, sit down and talk and let it out. Let it out, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in summary, because we got to wrap this up a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you, if you want to, what would you want the world to know about a uh, adoptee or adoptee in your situation being international or, or adopted what would you want the world to know um well so i guess first and foremost um 
that, you know, listen to adoptees because we are the ones living adoption and we live it every day of our life, every second. And, you know, especially for adoptive parents to um, really do the work on themselves first so that they can hold space for their adoptive child and be the parent that the child needs. Mm-hmm. Um, from a read up on coming out of the fog and, you know, to the world at large, they just be open-minded to hear a truth that contradicts the one you think um, of how things is, because for the adoptee, that's, that's oftentimes the case when we're talking about adoption. Cool. And tell us about, tell us where we can uh, find your, your blog, your, your handles and Facebook. Let us, let, let us know. I also will list them down in the video. Okay. Yeah. So the, I guess uh, it's just uh, thisadopteelife.com. Um, so what's that? I am under that same name on Instagram, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I try to post a Twitter too. I just haven't quite figured it out, but I'm there too. Twitter's pretty rough. <laughs> a YouTube channel where I hope mm-hmm. to have kind of conversations with fellow adoptees. Mm-hmm. So it's up. I just haven't put many videos on there too, but you can find me there as well. And then there's the Zoom meetings. Um, if you go to the website, you can go to contact and just send me, sign up, send me a little message you want to join and you're in, you'll get the invites. And it's adoptee only. So if cool. you're an adoptee. Cool. Well, Amanda, we really appreciate the, um, the educational, um, uh, you know, um, background of, of um, you know, being adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, from, you know, in a foreign land and yeah. being adopted in a family that don't look like you. Um, no. it's, it's very educational. And I hope that it opens the eyes up that it's more than just doing a good thing. But, you know, these kids go through something emotionally. And, yeah. uh, and you're, you're a living um, a witness of that. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to wrap this up. Um, all those out, adoptees out there and foster care kids, like I always say, stay strong. You can do anything you want to be. Just stay strong and believe in yourself. We want to thank our co-host Amanda. Uh, thank we'll you. have we'll have our um all her handles on the uh you know on the description. And um, please don't hesitate to uh, join the group because I'm here to tell you that does help. So with that being said, we're just gonna um, say goodbye and uh, see y'all next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. All right.